Well, I'm not a crook. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I have a dream. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. It transcends the senses. This is Murder of Grey. So if you were given, like, say, a million dollars, but you did the stupidest thing you could think of with that money, what would it be? What would be the stupidest thing I would do with a million dollars? Yeah. Uh, invest or put all my money in the Silicon Bank. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, shit, no. <laughs> uh, too soon. Yeah, too soon, right? Everybody's hurting a little bit and pulling out the, the, the what was it? The government hasn't even bailed them out fully yet, which is ridiculous. Right. It's so dumb. So dumb what they do with that money now. The fact that I, it's funny, I didn't know this and I didn't look into it at all, but the fact that they don't have to have, or they, they're allowed to legally invest a certain amount of money which is like most of the money that's in there. Hmm. It, it's kind of weird. I didn't know that because they don't expect people to pull all their money out that fast. So that's how banks make a shit ton of money. They're protected up to a certain amount. And then the rest of it, the bank's actually allowed to invest in other things. So that's why the, the Silicon Bank thing was such a big issue because they didn't actually have the money. The money was tied up in other investments. It's kind of scary when you think about that. Like all banks, like... Are using our it's money for like their that. gain? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess it makes sense to be able to have enough money to cover everything. But really, when you think about it, like, if you put money in, it should be there. But, you know, I think with banks, it's like they use the excuse, oh, it takes a lot of money to, you know, keep servers up and have all this information up. But it's like, Not you guys exactly. are making so much money from interest rates and all that kind of bullshit that it's like, it's disgusting what banks can get away with. Mm-hmm. Very true. What about you? What would you do with a million dollars? Or what? What's the dumbest idea you can think of? Oh my god, I have so many ideas. <laughs> um, hmm, trying to narrow it down here. Buy a million dollar how, boat. <laughs> how about I make? fuzzy jackets for cats and dogs but it's like louis vuitton i mean you're gonna triple your investment so i don't see how that's dumb at all <laughs> that, that's a good point yeah people people will be on it you're throw it at some youtuber give it to mr beast okay. and he'll be like i just donated ten thousand of these louis vuitton dog sweaters <laughs> to everyone now they won't be cold anymore it's for um, the dogs that don't have heaters. <laughs> it's for the unhoused dogs out there. Just shows him walking up to random dogs, putting sweaters on them. <laughs> I cured the cold. Yeah. Um, and then it, it actually, the clip keeps going and they forgot to cut and it shows him taking the money and the coats back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn. I got nothing against Mr. Beast, but yeah. That's Beast burgers are good. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah, um, thank you, thank you. yeah. I ooh, there's there's so much you could do. Solid gold toilet. Mm. Oh yeah. 
just because you can. Just because you can. I want the best bidet that'll just launch me off the toilet. I just just like old faithful, just a geyser. You're sitting up there, just pew. (laughs) I want to invest in a treehouse that has like a ooh, what what would I put in it? Has a spa, but like it also has a major projector on it like on the ceiling so you could just sit in the spa all day and just watch that That's and ooh it's like scarface style with this giant tub i would look into seeing now this is more of an economic thing this is the last one i'll throw out there what if we did scientific research and i'm talking i'm gonna donate my million dollars to figure this out but instead of wasting precious water in California, right? Because even though we've had an amazing amount of rain and snow and all this kind of crap, and you would think the drought would be completely over, but of course it's not. But what if we saved water? And what if we just used pee? <laughs> I'm not talking about reclaimed water like they always talk about, but it's like, what if we cut the middleman out, right? Save some money and just used pee. What's that movie? Idiocracy, right? Where they replace water yes. with Gatorade. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's got electrolytes. It's what the plants need. Why are all of our plants dying? Because <laughs> you pissed on them. <laughs> 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 Shit. All right. Well, I'm Christian. <laughs> I'm Chris. And this is the Murder of Grey podcast. Thank you guys for joining us once again as we dive into more moral and ethical dilemmas that we have found through time, space, and all that good stuff in between. So this week, we are going to be talking about something pretty interesting. It's about rewards. Everybody loves getting rewarded for things, right? Yay. I remember actually uh, in high school, my my sophomore and my junior year at the end of the wrestling season, I was awarded most improved twice. <laughs> improved from what? Yeah, well, from being really crap the first year to being kind of better to being better <laughs> than the last time. So, <laughs> damn, it's pretty funny. And actually, I got most fashionable in my yearbook my senior year, which I think is hilarious because I wore youth small shirts I would buy at Goodwill, giant plaid shorts, and I dyed my hair different colors every day. So, you know, whatever. Sure, most fashionable. Damn, you would fit in right now. I know, right? It all came back. It's weird. I'm looking at these kids now, and I'm like, why are you wearing my clothes? <laughs> kids are wearing, like, Jinko jeans again. Oh, and God, Jinko jeans. Ugh, those need to be burned. It's interesting how I feel like new metal is, like, in, right? Like, yeah, new Maybe metal not, like, Limb Biscuit, <laughs> but, like... You know, like I'm thinking like the aesthetic of like Static X or Linkin Park or like mm. Papa Roach or Deftones, you know, right? And it's like I'm seeing a bunch of these like kids, like there's a high school right next to my work and these kids come in, some of wear band shirts and it's like I'm seeing Deftones, I'm seeing like all these like a lot of these bands from like the early 2000s and I'm like, wow, they're bringing this back, like. And that's Don't get me wrong, true. I listened to that music back then too, because I mean, I didn't know better, but <laughs> you know, I mean, Deftone slaps, like it's, yeah. they're good, yeah. you know, like there's, there's some good music in that, you know, there's 
lost tracks from Meteora being brought out recently that are pretty damn good too. That was but, actually uh, a really good album, not gonna lie. Yeah, they've been dropping like unreleased tracks and it's been <laughs> they've been great. Weird. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so the awards that we're gonna be discussing today are actually the Golden Fleece Awards. So these awards are actually really interesting and it kind of deals with a lot of the conversations that are still had today. It's based off the idea of what the government is actually spending our money on and what projects they are funding. Uh, and so these awards were actually created to point out frivolous spending and maybe some ludicrous spending out there, which and some of them are actually really funny or you look at it and you're like, what? But then there's others where they might be just taken out of context, right? Where they're looking at these awards or, or looking at these scientific research studies and just not understanding the full gravity of everything that's coming out from there. So the Golden Fleece Awards actually started in 1975 by William Proxmire, who was a senator uh, from Wisconsin. And he was always a interesting kind of fellow, right? He really liked calling people out. And he was actually not appreciated, <laughs> is the nice way of putting it. He wasn't liked amongst his peers. Like, uh, fellow congressmen and senators just really did not like this guy. Because uh, he was a little eccentric and a little weird, honestly. And I really think it's kind of funny that he made these awards. And the Golden Fleece has, like, a particular meaning behind it. Uh, there was a uh, the Order of the Golden Fleece, which was a, a chivalric award that was created in the late 15th century. So it was actually like an award given out for doing something good for this, the community, right? But he took it and ran with it and kind of did a play on the word fleece, which also can mean charging excessively for goods or services. So he took something that was in the 15th century a good award and turned it into one to call people out on their crap or what he would consider quote unquote crap or these scientific studies. Now, the big like criticism for William Proxmire is that he kept talking about how much money the government's spending and all this stuff, but he has had multiple facelifts. He had hair plugs. He had a lot of plastic surgery, even <laughs> in like the seventies and eighties. Right. So this is really early on in this stuff. And he's, He's doing that, spending money on that kind of stuff, but then calling people out on spending money on, you know, the, the breeding patterns of flies and stuff like that, right? Because he just didn't fully understand it. And I feel like what's really interesting about this is that this was a monthly award that he gave out. So after a while, especially for doing it for 13 years straight, there's a lot of awards out there. And I almost feel like he was kind of grasping at straws a lot of times because he had to meet that monthly quota of finding something that was drastic enough to call out, right? And, you know, not gonna lie, a lot of them are kind of ridiculous, right? Like there, there's some really bizarre ones out there. Um, but what's really interesting before we start diving into the actual awards that were given and some of the studies was that after 1988, he was, I mean, he was super gung-ho about the Golden Fleece Awards. And obviously, people didn't like him already. Him calling out other departments really made him unliked amongst his peers even more. So he kind of <laughs> like fed into it. He's like, you hate me? Well, guess what? I'm going to keep calling you out on this stuff. 
because I don't understand it and I don't like it, right? That's kind of the vibe that I was getting from this guy. And what I thought was weird was that after he left uh, the Senate, there were some congressmen and some senators that actually asked him if they could continue on with the Golden Fleece Awards. So there were a couple people out there that actually did enjoy what he was doing. They thought he was doing something interesting uh, and helping out the helping the government by pointing this stuff out. But he denied them. He said, no, you can't do this. I'm going to continue on with it, maybe do it privately. But he didn't. And then 25 years later, this group comes around, the Taxpayers for Common Sense uh, approached William Proxmire and actually got the rights to then continue on with the Golden Fleece Awards. And so they're still going on. You can actually look up the the Taxpayers for Common Sense, which I think is a ridiculous name anyway. Uh, but you can go on their website <laughs> and look at some of the things that they've reached out or are claiming to be recipients of a Golden Fleece Award. And not going to lie, I did go through their website and a lot of them were either, a lot of the articles that they had on there, which I thought were weird, were callbacks to the original Golden Fleece Awards or the studies weren't that bad, in my opinion, right? Like one of the biggest ones that they like to call out was the Bridge to Nowhere Project, uh, which was Mm. a bridge that was uh, being made in Alaska. It was going from the mainland to a small island that was out there that didn't have a lot of inhabitants. Uh, And apparently the biggest draw to that area was the ferry. The ferry that would take people from the mainland to the island and tourism was huge out there. So that was like their primary source of revenue. So they were trying to spend, I believe it was $190 billion on a bridge to get to this island uh, when people didn't want it because tourism was their biggest factor. And that was really the biggest drawback of it, right? That, That was the biggest like, oh no, why are they doing this? People don't want it. Tourism. So I don't feel like the taxpayers for common sense are really doing the Golden Fleece Awards justice because whenever you hear some of the studies that were criticized, and it could just be the times, right? A lot of these awards were given in the late 70s, early 80s, when things were just kind of (laughs) weird. And we just didn't really know what was going on. So they just kind of kept going out there and looking for stuff. Like the, the very first... Golden Fleece Award that ever went out there was actually given to um, the National Science Foundation, so the NSF. Uh, They won the award for spending $84,000 on a study to find out what makes people fall in love. Oh. (laughs) Oh. How sweet. How sweet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, I mean, really think about it. It's such a weird study to do, but I could see how this could be beneficial, right? We need to know how people's minds think. And there's actually a blurb from uh, Proxmire, so you can kind of see the mindset of this guy a little bit. But he said, I object to this not only because no one, not even the National Science Foundation, can argue that falling in love is a science. Not only because I'm sure that even if they spend $84 million or $84 billion, they won't get an answer that anyone would believe. I'm also against it because I don't want the answer. I believe that 200 million other Americans want to leave some things in in life a mystery. And right on top of things we don't want to know is why a man falls in love with a woman and vice versa. Bang the gavel, done with it, right? So he... I mean, he's wrong because love is a battlefield. It's not a science, so... (laughs) 
<laughs> oh god. <laughs> I should have saw that coming. I should have. <laughs> but I did not see that. <laughs> but I mean, he has some points there, right? It's there are so many mysterious things out there, but that's kind of the whole point of science is to try and find answers for the unanswerable. And that's kind of it, right? We're trying to dive through the mystery of things and falling in love is a chemical reaction to something. So it would be interesting to figure this out. And, you know, with the way that like drugs are running rampant and everything like that, right? During this time, it's late seventies, early eighties. It kind of makes sense, right? To try and figure out what exactly is this idea of love from a scientific perspective and how, can we replicate it or how can we hinder it if we need to, right? Or what is it in these drugs that are making hippies out there feel all this peace, love and all this good stuff, right? Like, I feel like because of the time frame, that's probably the mindset in which the National Science Foundation was curious about. So they probably were doing some studies on like LSD and stuff, who knows, right? But th this got called out. And I mean, $84 million in 1975, well, that's a... Or, 84,000, sorry, $84,000 in 1975 is still a lot of money. That's, given inflation, all Hell that, yeah. that's, that's a lot out there for sure. It's kind of crazy. But then there's some other like little funny ones out there. Like uh, there was a study done in 1981 that won a Golden Fleece Award. It, <laughs> the United States Department of the Army uh, spent $6,000 on a study of how to buy Worcestershire sauce. I mean, you go to the grocery store. I don't know. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Do you really just spend six thousand dollars to go to a damn store? Like, damn, I want that job. <laughs> it wasn't even to get it. It was how to buy it. It wasn't even to buy. Whatever. Oh my god. So you can see that yes, there is some ridiculous spending out there in the government. And I mean, the Golden Fleece Awards is a very interesting thing. I mean, it did call out a lot of people. And it made a lot of departments very timid in the way that they are purchasing stuff. But let's uh, maybe let's just kind of speed round, go through the gambit of some of these that just kind of stand out to us because there's a lot of really weird studies out there for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was one that really stood out to me. Uh, well, I mean, there's a bunch uh, just kind of skimming through. Uh, where was this guy? Oh, yeah. So back in 1982, uh, in June, the Commerce of Labor Departments won an award for shelling out over $700,000 to a nonprofit corporation which was supposed to teach minority youth how to make t shirts. So, child labor? What? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hmm. Well, what were they doing? Like, I get giving them something to do, but at the same time, it's like, that sounds like it would be child labor. Right. No matter how you try to like mask it. Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. What? Which, speaking of masks, the month before, uh, Department of the Army got hit for spending... $38 million over 13 years on a new gas mask that it had no improvement over the, the previously designed mask that it was trying to replace. 
38 million dollars to design a mask <laughs> that was not better than anything they had before <laughs> yeah like how do you do that that's you know? ridiculous oh my god okay what about this the national institute of mental health uh was called out for spending ninety-seven thousand dollars to study among other things went went on in a peruvian brothel and the researchers said that they had made repeated visits in the interest of accuracy. <laughs> Hell yeah, why not? <laughs> they spent 100K to go to a brothel. <laughs> For accuracy and science. <laughs> yeah. You gotta test the waters a little bit, you know? Oh God, yeah. Or uh, another one from the actual, uh, was it the United States Department of Defense? They spent $3,000 on a study to determine if people in the military should carry umbrellas in the rain. <laughs> I think they have little other things to worry about than the rain. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I the one sad thing is that they can never replicate singing in the rain, right? You know, that's, that's the one sad part there. But hmm, they could use a gun. <laughs> that's right. True. And that made that song a lot more terrifying, actually. <laughs> shooting in the rain. Just shooting in the rain. What a glorious feeling to have my gun in my hand. No. <laughs> <Something>. Oh, God. <laughs> that works a little too well. It does. It does. How about this? Uh, 1981. Again, it seems like that year really had a bunch of the uh, the fun ones. But the Department of Commerce and Economic Development Administration got hit for spending $200,000 to build an 800-foot limestone replica of the Great Wall of China in Bedford, Indiana. <laughs> Why? I love how this country has had, has tried to build many great walls yeah. and oh, it just God. they've all never worked out. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. <laughs> Not gonna touch that one. <laughs> oh God, what a ridiculous project. Are you kidding me? For what? What it's so much money to build a replica of the Great Wall. Like It's just why? And why in Indiana? <laughs> yeah, like, what what happened in Bedford, Indiana that they needed what a great wall? What goes on in Indiana? Nothing. That's why you they know, needed like, it. Like, no disrespect for people that live out there, but I'm just like, I don't, like, West Virginia, Indiana, all of that, I'm just, I forget it exists sometimes, because it's like, <laughs> it's so quiet, you know? Like, you don't hear anything. Same with, like, Iowa, mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm always like, what are they doing over there? You know, they just living their life away from everybody. Like, it's something that's always been fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. It's It's weird. Okay, what about this um, one? So the Federal Aviation Administration was called out for spending $57,000 to study the physical measurements of 432 airline stewardesses. Uh, that included the distance from knee to knee when sitting and the length of their buttocks. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, I guess it kind of makes length sense. Length of their butt? <laughs> yeah, the length of their butt. Not the width, the length of the butt. But I mean, length, I, I huh? think they're just trying to figure out like how many seats they can potentially fit in there. Yeah. I mean, like airlines, they just cramp seats in there and it's just so uncomfortable. But it's very specific that it was stewardesses, right? So women that they measured. 
So some guy from the Federal Aviation Administration went out there and measured 432 people and convinced them to spend almost 60 grand on this. Like, come on. He just wanted to see some butt. That's yeah, he, all wanted, I wanted. he wanted yeah. some long butt. <laughs> <laughs> the long butt. Yeah. The hunt for long butt. We, we don't do no round butts here. We do long butts. It's, it's imagine you like know, a Moby Dick matters. Ishmael. <laughs> like it's his hunt oh, for the God. white whale. <laughs> oh, the long butt eludes me again. <laughs> yeah. This is my way of finding the elusive long butt in this world. Yeah. The guy's just like a drunk at a bar now where he, every once in a while he rambles about the long butt and how it got away. <laughs> yeah. To this day, I'm still searching for the long butt. <laughs> oh, to the toast of the long butts. There you go. <laughs> this was for you. I'm going to pour one out for long butt. <laughs> uh, all right. What about the Office of Education spending $219,000 in a curriculum package to teach college students how to watch television? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> you sit down and watch it i don't know like what i i, I want to see like itemized receipts of what they actually paid for for this stuff and i actually want to see this curriculum package of how to properly watch tv yeah like are you sitting there with one hand on in your bowl of like popcorn with your other hand like drinking or like like what's the optimal way of watching television? Cause I mean, for me, it's usually like slumped over, mm-hmm. you know, glazed over watching Netflix, right? Like what's the optimal way of watching television? Like on our heads. Yeah. What way does the information get absorbed better when we can actually appreciate what we're watching? I don't know. I seem to pay attention more to the television when I'm like half naked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Half naked with a bowl of Cheetos in one hand. <laughs> Ooh, that's going to be messy. <laughs> yeah. And you call some like help desk line asking, um, how come one of my testicles is orange? It's like, well, sir, are you eating Cheetos naked? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what comedian that was. That's sort of a stand-up comedy. I don't remember. But... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. There was one that I found pretty interesting, but he actually, like, took it back, which I found weird. And I don't, from everything I've looked at, I don't see many that he takes back. Uh, but there was one that he gave an award to NASA, actually, uh, calling them out for their SETI program, which is the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, uh, in, you know, where they're actually looking for extraterrestrial civilizations out there in space. And he gave this award and then quickly withdrew the award and withdrew his opposition to the SETI program. So does that mean that William Proxmire met an alien? I think it does. I think it does. Because he didn't he didn't recall anything else. Right. Like he wasn't afraid to call people out. But for some reason, this one, he like completely went backwards on it, which is weird. He saw an alien. He must have. They do exist. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw the balloon flying in the sky. No aliens exist. Oh, maybe that's why they spent so much time hunting for Longbottom. Hmm. Oh, 
it's all coming together. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm an alien. <laughs> so get this, right? The last, I think the last three uh, that are documented for uh, 1985 are bangers. So 85 September, uh, the National Institute of Neurological and Communicative Disorders and Stroke uh, got hit for spending 160000 to study whether someone can hex an opponent during a strength test by drawing an X on their chest. What? <laughs> I'm like, what's a strength test? Like, is it like arm wrestling? Is it That's like exactly what deadlifting? I, I was, you know what I was imagining? I was imagining that the final, the final scene, no, <laughs> the final scene in Over the Top <laughs> where... I thought so, you were going to say over the edge. Sylvester so Stallone comes out, starts talking about how he's a truck, and that's what, that's all he thinks about when he goes up there. He's a truck, and he's an engine, and all this. Turns his hat backwards like Ash Ketchum, and then goes up and draws an X on <laughs> that fucker's chest before beating him. It's like instead of crossing him, he just does an X. That, I, that's a weird... I, now I'm kind of curious. I want to try that to somebody now. Next time I'm in a, a strength challenge, which, you know, we, we do those all the time, of course. Yeah, that's my weekend get down, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, since I work in a gym, basically, I'm going to walk up to people doing squats and like draw an X on the chest and see what it does. You just got to hold one of those slap tournaments and just have someone say, hey, you know what? How about you put an X on your chest? It gives you luck. Yeah. It's X for extreme. <laughs> I mean, those slap things are crazy. Those slap fights are nuts. Those are That's a true strength challenge right there. I love watching them, even though they seem kind of like a worthless sport. But Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's funny whenever they get knocked out cold from a slap. Dude, there was one where this guy got his whole face disconfigured. Ugh. Or disfigured just because the slap was so hard. It's crazy, dude. That's insane. No, thank you. Ugh. So, right after that, the Navy. You know, the seamen can't do anything wrong. Uh, yeah, seamen. Well, see okay. <laughs> they did for buying a 792 8x10 foot designer doormat. What? Hey, hang on, I, hang on, hang on, hang on. Can you see those measurements one more time? Eight by ten foot. So an eight by ten foot doormat. How much was it? Seven hundred and ninety-two dollars. Oh God. I'm curious if there's like actual like a photo of this. It's just a doormat. It probably says Navy on it, of course. How much does a it doormat says, go from for Amazon? Semen enter here. Semen <laughs> yeah. exit only. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. On this website I've never heard before. The Rolls Royce of doormats. An 8 by 10 foot doormat with a medical commands logo woven onto it in a metallic blue, white, in yellow and turquoise was added to the Navy Medical Command Southeast region in Jacksonville, Florida. Well, there you go. It's Florida. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Never mind. Never mind. The poor taxpayer may wipe his shoes on a $3 doormat when he goes home, but not the Navy. <laughs> no, it must be 700 
Why didn't they just get an outdoor rug? I'm looking on Amazon. I can get it tomorrow for a hundred bucks. <laughs> when asked the Navy to justify the expense, he said the military branch said this purchase fills a legitimate command requirement. What command were they given? Wipe your feet? What? I like to see how legitimate they think this purchase was if their commanders had to pay for it instead of a poor taxpayer. Well, they think What's more, yeah. the Navy said those designer doormats are used by most major naval headquarter commands. Oh, commands. So plural. So there's more of these out there. Yeah, apparently at a lot of military facilities, this is a thing. That's what they're saying. Wow. So every time I walk into a military facility, I'm going to look at the doormat and be like, hey, was this Man, 700 bucks? Dump on it. <laughs> yeah. I'll make sure I step in dog shit before I walk on that doormat. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the cleaning bill on that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and uh, how about this one, right? The Defense Department. I love how it's the government that just like the obviously finds Department the most useless doing, yeah, shit to spend yeah. money. Like carrying umbrellas and buying Worcestershire sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, yeah. Like, think about how much money they blow on the military every year. And everyone's like, it's all going to making weapons. Like, no, no they're spending that money for Worcestershire sauce. But anyway, Defense Department. Spent $162 million annually producing and buying periodicals and newspapers. The print is dead, man. <laughs> I mean, in 1985. That's true. But, like, what are they? We're still fighting. <laughs> Every article is just... We're the good guys, remember? <laughs> like, what are they writing about consistently? Because everything's so, like, red taped on there. I'd be very curious of what they share and if it's actually different every time. That's ridiculous. Ugh, no. This is wild. Uh, actually, this is one of my favorites here, which I think is really funny. Uh, but the United States Department of Justice conducted a study on why prisoners want to escape. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There was a whole, like, I forgot how much, it didn't say how much money was listed, but I remember reading this somewhere else, too. But they spent, like, an exorbitant amount of money to study the psychology of prisoners to figure out why they didn't want to be in jail anymore. It's like, well, it's jail. Duh. Jesus Christ. Ooh. 1987, one of the last ones on this list, the Army. Of course. Wasted 159K of taxpayers' dollars on decorative trees and shrubs, which ended up dying that year. <laughs> so they forgot to pay the gardener. But they <laughs> yep. <laughs> they, couldn't, they couldn't raise the taxes on us that year, so they couldn't pay for the gardener. Oh, God. That's ridiculous. Okay. Think about it. That's why our taxes are so high now because, you know, they got to cover the gardener's bills. Yeah. They, at least they and remember. For more now. dormants. Yeah. They remember now to pay the gardener. <laughs> so that's why our taxes went up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got one more, and it's because uh, there's so many to go down. But <laughs> the National Science Foundation was called out for spending $103,000 to compare the aggressiveness in a sunfish that drank tequila 
as opposed to Jin. <laughs> it sounds like a weird joke or like the start to a joke. Where's the punchline? Like you hear about the sunfish that drank too much tequila? Yeah, you wish he had gin. No, like <laughs> what a classy little fish. But I'm chat. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm jealous. So they spent a hundred and three thousand dollars to get sunfish drunk. Like, okay. Apparently, like this study actually got expanded on too. So it wasn't just sunfish. They actually tested the aggressiveness of uh, mice that were drinking tequila as well. So. They wanted to see how different animals would act like when they were drunk. And like, I feel like that's going to be the sequel to Cocaine Bear. Oh, my God. <laughs> Cocaine Bear? Well, what about Drunk Sunfish? <laughs> Tequila Fish. <laughs> Tequila Fish. I'd watch that. <laughs> Just a fish in a tank. Like, yeah, I don't want to do anything. Get that out of here. <laughs> Take him out of his bowl and throw him against the wall. <laughs> Like the bad fish he is. Yeah. Are you a bad fish too? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <sure. laughs> so we'll do the last one here. We got one for the National Institute on Drug Abuse. Nice. Well, nice. we already know this is gonna go somewhere fun. Yeah. It was a a funded project by psychologist Harris Rubin for $121,000 on developing some objective evidence concerning marijuana's effect on sexual arousal by exposing groups of male pot smokers to pornographic films and measuring their responses by means of sensors attached to their penises. That's <laughs> all. I'm like, why do you need sensors on it when you can just, <laughs> just see it? Just ask them. Or you just make them stand up in sweatpants <laughs> while you're doing the study. <laughs> you don't need any sensors whatsoever. Just, hey, do you like that? Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> make them all wear thongs. Play the thong song at the same time. Oh, God. Who, and I might kill their boner. Who thought of that? Like, okay, well, obviously Harris Rubin did, but what the hell was going through? Like, how much pot did he smoke before he's like, man, I can't get it up anymore. It must be all this weed. <laughs> I need to get, you know what I need to do? I need to call the government. I need to get about 50 other pot smoking males, watch some porn together and see what happens. And then they're going to go back and hang out with the people who did the study with the Peruvian brothels. Spend another $100,000 to go there over and over again. Thank God. What a life. Oh, gosh. Ugh. Yeah. So there's so many weird studies out there. And, you know, honestly, a lot of these are ridiculous. <laughs> Not going to lie. Right. And it is kind of hard to see the ob objective good that is coming from these studies. Uh, but there are some of the people who won Golden Fleece Awards actually went on to do big things. And there was actually a Golden Fleece Award that came back around and ended up being one of the biggest like scientific uh, like advancements in a long time in the particular field that it was dealing with, right? And it spawned a whole different subset of awards that were later given out. So the awards that were later given out were actually called the Golden Goose Awards. And it was scientific studies that may appear odd or different to the outside public, but have done some amazing things. 
So one of them in the very early ages of the Golden Fleece Awards was on the study of lasers. So there was a study that actually received a Golden Fleece. They wanted to make lasers, but during that time, lasers weren't around and we didn't know the benefits of them. So it all kind of became crack, crackpot science, right? People that just didn't know what this is good for. There was no actual like clear end to the study itself. Uh, but much later on, uh, after they did find some good uses for lasers, there was actually an incident that happened. And th this whole like re field of research came about through a complete accident. And that's why this ended up winning a golden goose. So at one point, so yeah, in the University of Michigan, there was a scientist, his name was Moreau, uh, and he had a few graduate students working with him. But one of them, uh, who was helping him with the, the lasers and trying to figure out exactly what to do with them, they were actually enhancing the lasers and, uh, you know, just trying to test the limits of what is capable. So there was something that ended up happening where the graduate student accidentally shot himself in the eye with a beam of this laser, which is terrifying, right? Because they won't really know what can happen. And they did know they know that it can actually cut. So they had they've been making laser tools. So obviously, they're freaked out, they rush the graduate student to the hospital to get him checked. And, and they find out that he's actually perfect. And his eyes were better than before, which is really interesting. So what that laser actually did was it shaved off a little tiny bit of his cornea, but safely, and it helped him out in the long run. And actually, that is where LASIK eye surgery comes from. Because of this accident in this lab, with them just playing with lasers that actually won a Golden Fleece Award in the past, we have LASIK eye surgery nowadays, right? So I think Jesus. it's it's kind of a weird connection there, right? But it just goes to show that, yeah, like while some of these studies might seem really weird and outlandish to us right now, who knows, maybe in like 30 years, something good can come from it. Now, obviously, this is a random happen chance of complete accidents that happened. But, you know, it it's possible. And that's the, kind of like the whole point of studying these weird and outlandish things. So I, I found that pretty interesting. And there's another one that I liked that got a Golden Goose Award. And it's kind of a trippy one. So do you know what a cone snail is? You ever heard of that? Uh, I, I do not. I thought you said something totally different. I was like, what? But no, yeah. I do not. So a, Does it have a cone on its head? No, so kind of, but it's just like a really tiny snail, but the shell itself is in a conical shape, right? But what turns hmm. out is that cone snake or cone snails are incredibly venomous. And there's like thousands of different types of species, and each one's a little bit different. Some are not venomous at all, some are extremely venomous. And there's actually one that is nicknamed the cigarette snail. Uh, it's not because of the shape of the cone, which I thought was, I thought it just had like a really skinny like cone shell or whatever. But it's actually, if you get bit by this thing, supposedly you have enough time to smoke a cigarette before you die. Like that's how insanely poisonous or venomous this snail is. So in the Philippines, there was a scientist, uh, her name's Lourdes Cruz, 
And she used to just collect snails, right? She was a scientist and she would go out to the beach and just grab snails and shells and all that stuff. And it wasn't until much later where she met um, Baldomero Oliveira, who's a fellow scientist, but his nickname was Toto in there. And then they started doing further research on these snails and trying to figure out exactly what is their venom made up of. Because up until this point, we had no idea what kind of venom it actually was and no way to really counteract it. Now, they do say that the snails really aren't that aggressive. The media likes uh, apparently plays them up. And if you ever watch a video on cone snails, they say they're like the most vicious and horrible things. But really, they're incredibly afraid of us. And the only people who have ever been bit by a cigarette snail have really provoked it or they just like keep messing with it or hold it for way too long. Right. So it's kind of their fault. Not going to lie. <laughs> but eventually they did end up figuring out what the venom was primarily made up of, but they couldn't really take it much further than that. And then a little bit later, they met up with Craig Clark, who was a neuroscientist at the time, and he ended up helping them expand their research because in the Philippines, they didn't have a lot of tools to actually, you know, fully study this stuff and study the benefits and what other things that they can do. So what Craig actually did was he wanted to see what would happen if they injected the venom into the brain of a mouse. And once they did, they realized that they were able, like based on the different dosages, they were able to make the brain react in very strange ways, where either the mouse would just fall over, it would become lethargic, it would, you know, like become unresponsive in certain ways. And through this research, even though, you know, it seems a little grueling and, and kind of mean towards the mouse, right? You just keep injecting with snail venom. Uh, they found out that it really impacts different species very differently, right? Like if, it, if a cone snail bites a fish, it's 100% paralyzed, cannot move at all, it's done, right? But if you inject the venom into a mammal, then other things start turning off. So they can still move, but what gets hmm. turned off is your pain receptors. Like completely. So you feel no pain at all. So what they end up doing with this is they that's whenever they start doing brain surgeries. And if you look at some brain surgeries or you read about it, a lot of times the patient's actually awake for it. Right. And they're awake. They're talking sometimes. It's kind of creepy to think about. Oh, I've seen the videos of that. So it's free. Yeah, it's super weird. But that's because they've been injected with basically cone snail venom to turn off their pain receptors completely. So the scientists can then cut their skull off, poke around in their brain, and they won't feel anything. So all of this stem from Lord S's crew's obsession with just collecting shells and snails on the beach, right? So just weird happen chance things come from the most bizarre places, like studies that we would never think would lead anywhere can lead to some amazing scientific discoveries. So it's kind of like as much as funny as it is to raz on the golden, golden fleece awards and to really dive into them just to be like, that's just outlandish and absurd. Right. Like we don't know what kind of benefits came from their multiple visits to the Peruvian brothel. Right. <laughs> like they're, because the people who study it were actually the uh, National American Medical or 
mental health uh, facilities, right? So they probably got some really good information out of those visits on how mental health was affecting maybe even uh, homosexuals that were closeted or whatever it may be, right? Like they probably got some really good information there that we're using today, but the Golden Fleece Awards don't go into that. They call it out and they end it there. They don't do any further research whatsoever. They take it at face value, which is something that we do on a constant basis when we're looking at headlines or reading the news or doing all that stuff. We read the headline, we take all of our information from that, and we don't read forward. We don't keep looking into it and seeing exactly what is it that they're talking about, right? So I, I feel like the Golden Goose Awards have done something very interesting where they have definitely picked up where the Golden Fleece left off. They've picked up in a way where, yeah, that's funny sounding, but here's what actually happened, right? It's giving that other side of the story. It's giving the full breadth of the story. So there's a lot to kind of dive into here. And I mean, science is weird that we can study everything. And I, who knows, maybe studying love was the most important thing that we could have done as an American civilization today. Maybe it's led to some really amazing outcomes that we just don't know because we just read the, the headline of, yeah, we spent $84,000 to study if, why somebody falls in love with somebody and never came up with an answer. But I don't know. There's a lot to kind of dive into that and to look into for sure. But anyway, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for joining in and listening to this. I hope you guys had fun because we sure had a lot of fun going through this one because there's some crazy outlandish stuff out there for sure. But yeah. Anyway, we'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks with some more dilemmas, more problems, more issues around the world. But until then, bye for now.